Last week, if you were with us, we kicked off our new series, Next Door, where we're exploring together what it would look like if we began taking the second half of the great commandment that Jesus gave to us seriously and literally. And now, if you're not familiar with the great commandment, this is the commandment that Jesus said summed up the entire law. And the first half, say it if you know it, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second half is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we talked last week about how in the parable of the Good Samaritan, we learned from Jesus that all people are our neighbors. That we're called to love all people everywhere. But so often what happens when we're trying to love all people everywhere, we end up actually ignoring our neighbors who live right next door. And not loving them. And so I challenged everyone to begin taking steps in their relationships, loving their neighbors. And I gave out this little map. And it's actually, if you weren't with us last week, if you'd open up your bulletin, this is on the back of the insert in there. And this is a map that's supposed to represent your neighborhood. Your house is the house in the middle. And these other eight houses represent the eight people who live closest to you. And so last week, we, we did a fun exercise where we, we wrote down everyone's names that we knew that were in these eight houses. And I challenged everyone to get to know the name of a neighbor that they didn't yet know. And so if you took on that challenge, if you learned the name of a new neighbor this week, or you went deeper in your relationship with a current neighbor, would you raise your hand so I can see who, who took that next step? All right. Okay, cool. Cool. And look, I'm, I'm trying to practice what I preach here. And when I did the little map and filled out who I knew, I didn't know many people. I knew about half of them. And so Emily and I this week, we said, all right, we're going to do it. So, you know, Monday night, it was like, okay, we got all week, so we'll, we'll do it another night. And then Tuesday comes, and it's like, oh, it's getting dark so early. Like, it's awkward to knock on somebody's door at nighttime. And then Wednesday had church. But then Saturday, it was like, okay, we're going to do this. We worked it up. And um, thankfully... When we went across the street to go um, say hey to one of our neighbors, he was out washing his car. And I hadn't seen him really out and about at all, but we got to say hey to him, and we ended up talking for about 20, 25 minutes, getting to know him better. And so um, it, it was good, and so I'm taking on this challenge as well, and I want to continue to encourage you to get to know your neighbors next door, because learning someone's name is really the first step in loving them. But I know that loving our neighbors especially our neighbors who are next door, it's not an easy thing. There are a lot of barriers that prevent us from doing this. There, there's the fear, there's the awkwardness, there's the bad past experiences. For some of us, there's the lack of interest. There's a lot of barriers that we have to overcome to begin living out this command of Jesus. But there's one barrier that I think is the biggest. It's the biggest thing that prevents us from loving the people who are right next door. And this barrier is time. Actually, what I want you to do right now is I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them on a scale of 1 to 10 how hectic your life is right now. Tell them, just give them a number, 1 to 10, what's the hectic scale of your life right now? Any tens in here? Okay, just a few tens. We're going to pray for you. God bless you if you're at a ten right now. But you know what's interesting is that we live in a world 
full of time-saving devices. I have a Roomba. I have a robot that vacuums my house, and it is amazing. It, it's awesome. So many of us have one of these. It, it's a place where we have all of our email. We have, all, we have a phone. We have a camera. Hey, look, if you have one of these, you can, you can check in right now on Facebook. Let people know you're here. This is one of those great time-saving devices, and I'm serious about that. Feel free to check in during the sermon. That's okay. We have all of these different things that have promised to make our lives easier. Now, you don't even have to watch live TV, right? You can stream it anytime, anywhere, any place. We have all of these time-saving devices that have been invented in the last number of years, but I don't think many of us would say that in the last 10 years, our lives have gotten less hectic. It actually seems like the opposite, like our lives have gotten more and more busy because as these devices have saved us time, what's happened? We've simply filled it with other stuff. And that makes sense because we live in a world now with seemingly infinite opportunity. We live in a world that so often measures our self-worth and our worth as a person, as a family unit, by how productive we can be. We live in a world where the default answer to how are you is busy. We live in a world where it's, it's hard not to be busy. And all of this keeps us from loving our neighbors next door. And this series I mentioned last week, it's, it's based on this book called The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. And, and so most of the profound things, if I say anything profound, they're probably going to be from these guys. But if you want to learn more, I encourage you to check out this book. But in this book, the authors, they, they outline three lies that many of us have internalized, which keep us living at a hectic pace. And so if we have any hope of changing our lifestyle, we're going to have to begin overcoming these things. And, and the first one of these that many of us believe is that things will slow down someday. If you're like me, you probably say this about once a month, or you tell this to your spouse about once a month. No, 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 this is just a busy season. But what happens is there's always another deadline. There's always another project. There's always something more to be done or something different to be done, and we end up living at this hectic pace of life. And one thing I've discovered is that seasons have endings. And if your busy season never has an end, it's not actually a busy season, it's a busy lifestyle. And so if we're going to have any hope for change, we have to be intentional. We're going to have to make some difficult choices. But that's one lie that we believe, is that things will slow down someday. The second is that more will be enough. That if we could check one more thing off our to-do list, then we'll be content. If we could just finish this home project and this move, then things would be okay. If we could just get the house paid off or get our kids this new thing that they want, then ah, we could breathe a little bit. But there's always something else. There's always something more, something new, something improved. And so we can't buy into this lie that, that someday when we achieve this more or we get this more, that then we'll experience contentment and peace and we'll be able to take a break from our hectic lifestyle. And the third lie that many of us believe 
is that everyone lives like this. I mean, for many of us, we feel like busy is the American way. It's deep in our culture, and we feel like if we're not busy, what are we doing with our lives? And there's all of these cultural scripts that that have been ingrained in us, but here's the reality is not everybody is living at a 7 to 10 on the hectic scale. There are actually people in this church who are healthy, who are living at like a 1 to a 4 right now. And so change is possible. We don't have to live busy lives like so many other people do. But because so many of us live busy, hectic lives, because that's our reality, when I gave you that challenge last week to go and to get to know one of your neighbors, to learn their name or to go deeper in a relationship, you probably were like me and were thinking, I don't know that I have time for one more thing to do. I don't know that I have capacity for one more relationship, let alone eight more relationships. And this week I've been wrestling with this question, a question that I want us to wrestle with together, and it's this. Are we living at a pace that allows us to be available to those around us? Are we living at a pace that allows us to be available to those around us? And if we're not, are the things we're so busy doing really more important than the great commandment that Jesus gave us? And there's a story in Scripture that I think helps point us in the right direction as we're exploring the great commandment and how we can live it out, and how we can overcome the different barriers that come up, especially the time barrier. And it actually comes right after the story that we looked at last week, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so the story is in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, and it's the story of Mary and Martha. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. And if you don't have a Bible, we actually have free ones available at the Welcome Center. So I want to encourage you to grab one on your way out, Or next week as you come back into worship, take one as our free gift to you. But there in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, Luke writes this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha... She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. I've read this story many times and I generally identify with one character. Martha. Any other Marthas in here? Martha. I mean, Martha, here she is opening up her home. Getting things straightened out. She's cooking. She's cleaning. Look, remember, they didn't have robots that vacuumed houses back then. She was having to do it herself. She's doing all of this stuff while her sister Mary 
sits on the floor. And the key word for Martha here is that she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And I like to think about the distracted thoughts that were going through her mind. I mean, I bet she was just looking at her sister thinking, I'm cleaning up all of this mess that you made. I'm cleaning up your dishes and you're not doing anything. I'm cleaning out all of your hair from the bathroom. I'm doing all of this stuff, making this special meal because of your special dietary preferences and I can't stand this anymore. I can't stand this and Jesus isn't going to stand for it either. So she goes over to Jesus and she says to him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me because she's not going to listen to me. And Jesus has this really interesting response, kind of unexpected almost. I mean, he almost reprimands Martha. The message version of the Bible puts it this way. Jesus says to her, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential. And Mary has chosen it. In the New International Version, it says this, Mary has chosen what is better. And what did Mary choose? She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, to sit in His presence, learning from Him and listening to Him. And now, you have to understand that in their culture... This wasn't normal. Women didn't typically sit at the feet of rabbis, teachers, and learn from them as male disciples did. Women, their value typically came from their productivity in the household, from their domestic abilities. But here, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, being countercultural, learning from him growing in her relationship with him. And Jesus lifts her up and says this, Mary has chosen what is better. And what Martha was doing wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It's actually a good thing to get the house ready for Jesus. But Jesus says there was something better. Mary chose it. And she had to be countercultural in choosing it. And for us, in the midst of our crazy lives, we're often put in similar situations where we're having to choose between many competing activities. Because there are so many good things in our world but we like mary and martha have to choose and have to differentiate between what is good and what is better and when we're making those choices we're going to have to choose to be countercultural. and sometimes we're going to have to say no to good things so that we have time in our lives for the better things and if you think about it this is what jesus did right I mean, Jesus, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get the impression that he, he was on the go. He was around ministering to people, teaching, healing, feeding people, 
being with the disciples, growing in his relationship with them. He was always in these towns and people like experts in the law were coming and trying to trick him. People were lining up to get healed by him. And a lot of times Jesus, he, he had to get away. He had to get away and spend time with his heavenly father. And in Mark, there's this one story I love. Jesus tries to go and spend some time away. And when he does, you know what happens? The people search him out and find him. And they beg him to stay. But Jesus didn't stay. Jesus didn't heal every person who was in line to be healed. Jesus didn't meet everyone's expectations. Why? Because Jesus knew his priorities. Jesus knew his mission in life. By most standards, Jesus would now be considered a busy guy, but we would never describe Jesus as hectic, as frenzied, as anxious, as distracted. Jesus knew what the most important things were in his life. For him, it was loving his heavenly Father with all that he was, all that he had, and it was loving all the people that he encountered, and it was journeying to the cross for us and for our salvation. And I think one of the reasons that so many of us are busy and are living these hectic lives is because we haven't actually stepped back, paused and reflected and figured out what our mission in life is, what our priorities in life should be. And so we just wake up each day, we go about our life and we just react. We react to things that come our way and we do what people tell us we should do. We just do what we can do and we're not really focusing in. And some of us, we know our mission, we know our priorities and we get distracted along the way. But for us who are disciples of Jesus Christ, I think it's important for us to be clear about our mission. It's important for us to be clear about our priorities. And and look, I can't give you your personal life mission here this morning. I can't outline every priority that you should have. But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, so that means that if you're not a Christian here and you don't claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're off the hook. Just listen and hold us accountable. But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then what is important in your life should be what Jesus says is important. We can't do everything. We can only do some things. And Jesus says, loving our neighbors is one of the most important things we can be doing with our lives. But to do this, to begin living this out, this is going to cause us to be countercultural. It's going to cause us to have to make some hard choices, some hard decisions. It's countercultural, one, because a lot of people don't know their neighbors anymore, and it can be kind of weird. But it's also countercultural because we're going to have to change our lives and our schedules and step away from the busyness so that we actually have time available for the people around us. And just like Mary was countercultural, we're going to have to be countercultural. And there's three difficult choices I think we're going to have to make. And the first choice is a choice we kind of briefly touched on from the story of Mary and Martha. And that choice is choosing between good things and better things. 
And there's a lot of good things in this world. What Martha was doing was a good thing. There's piano lessons. There's sports leagues. There's career advancement opportunities. There's church activities. And the list could go on and on and on. There's a lot of good stuff in this world. And there's a lot of good things that people tell us we should be doing to have well-rounded children. There's a lot of good stuff we feel like we, we, we should be doing. There's all of these different things. But we have to stop and ask ourselves, Are these things that we're filling our schedule with more important than living out the great commandment and loving our neighbors who are right next door? That's the first difficult decision. Choosing between good things and better things. And the second difficult decision is this. Choosing to be interruptible. Now, I don't know what your schedule looks like, but so often I, I plan the day from the beginning to the end. And I run from one thing to the next. And so many of us, we run from the piano lessons to the church and then to the karate studio and then to the grandkids and then to the doctors. And so what we do is we pull into our garage and we run inside because we don't have time to stop and maybe see if any of our neighbors are around or speak to them or say, hey, because we have to change clothes before we go on to the next activity. A lot of us, when we take out our dog... By the way, that's a great way to meet your neighbors. We, we take out our dog, but then we have to run right back inside because we have to go to work. We have to go to bed. We have to do all of this stuff. We wave to our neighbors because we don't have time. We don't have any margin in our lives to stop and actually say, hey, or to catch up or to ask them how life is going. And so we're going to have to choose to become interruptible and build a little margin in our schedules. To not have every minute of every day planned out. And this is a very difficult one for me. Because I tend to do this. And Emily and I, we had plans this weekend. And um, it was for Friday and Saturday, but they ended up getting canceled. And so I knew Saturday was open. My immediate thought was, hey, let's wake up early. Let's drive to the North Georgia mountains. Let's see the leaves. Let's watch the beautiful sunset. It's okay, I don't have to get much sleep. We'll, we'll, we'll drive back on Saturday night. I'll, I'll wake up on Sunday. We'll finalize everything, and I can take a long nap on Sunday afternoon. That's my inclination. But thankfully, that didn't happen this weekend. Thankfully, on, on Saturday, we actually laid low. And we just said, you know what, let's just spend the day in our neighborhood and in our community. And it so happened that our HOA had a chili cook-off. Uh, and we, we just saw it on Facebook and on the little sign in the neighborhood, and so we, we made some chili, and we went. And we actually got to know a number of our neighbors at this chili cook-off. It was this thing that we were going to skip over because we were too busy doing all of these other things, but it was a great gift to us, and it seems like a small thing. Participating in the chili cook-off or stopping and saying hey to a neighbor or just being available. But it's the small things that can end up making a big, big difference. So we have to choose to become interruptible. But finally, the third choice we have to make is choosing to eliminate time-stealers. These are those things that, that just take up 
all of this time in our lives, they're not even really on the schedule. It's just like junk food. It's just stuff we do that wastes time. I mean, I don't know how many of you in here feel like you spend too much time on Facebook, on Instagram, and on social media. Or how many of you feel like your spouse spends too much time on Facebook, on Instagram, or on their phone, or on their iPad? We all waste time in our own ways. For me, a lot of times, it's Netflix. For some of you, it might be game day and just watching it over and over again. For other people, it might be shopping or texting. There's all these different ways that we waste time. But if we began eliminating some of those, we might have a little more time in our lives for other people, for our neighbors next door so that we could begin getting to know them, so that we could begin loving them. And these three things, these choices, choosing between good and better, choosing to be interruptible, choosing to eliminate time stealers, these are all things that are difficult in my own life and that I'm trying to make progress in. And I don't always do them perfectly. But I know that God is calling me to begin living them out. I know that God is calling us to begin living them out. And when we begin doing these things and seeking to love our neighbor, God's going to work to change us as well as to change them. And some of you know last week I talked about how when I first read this book a few years ago, I decided to get to know my neighbors. And so I began being intentional. I began trying to reach out. The first step of Knowing someone is learning their name and getting to know their story. And there was one neighbor, he was just to the right of me. I had met him a number of times. And I happened to be over in his yard one day. His name was Bobby. And I finally said, you know what, Bobby, I'd love to have you and your family over for dinner sometime. I think it'd be fun. We can catch up and relax. And he said he would love that. And so I told him, I said, Bobby, look, my, my schedule these next few weeks is kind of crazy. A lot of church stuff going on. But um, let me get your email address. And in a few weeks, we can figure out a good time for all of us, because I know you're busy too. And he said, oh, no, I'm, I'm available pretty much every night of the week. We don't have much going on in the evenings. I was like, wow. Not everyone lives this way. So things were busy. It was a busy season. And ultimately, I, I forgot about that invitation, and life kept going. And I didn't even remember that I had asked him over for dinner until one day the moving trucks came. And there was a couple trucks there, and they were there for a few days, and they left. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know what happened. Like, it was just, yeah. So I sent him an email, and I said, hey, hey, Bobby, just... Checking in with you, I saw it looks like y'all moved. Sorry to see you go. Um, are you remaining in the area locally? And Bobby, he, he emailed me back and he said this. He said, hey, Jonathan, thanks for checking in. It was a hasty decision. My wife and I had some personal issues and were separated for the moment. Hopefully she and I will get back together soon. I pray each day for that to happen. Please join me by doing the same. 
take care of Jonathan, and maybe our paths will cross again soon. I missed it. I missed the opportunity to love my neighbor next door with the love of Jesus Christ because I was too busy doing stuff in the grand scheme of things that didn't really matter much. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss out living in obedience to the great commandment because you're too busy doing good things and not doing the most important thing. So last week we talked about how love goes first. Love takes the initiative. Love steps into the awkwardness. Love overcomes the fear and knocks on the door. Love makes difficult choices for the good of another. But love doesn't just go first. Love also takes time. These relationships aren't going to happen overnight. They're not going to happen if we're in a rush and if our calendars are booked up to the max. Pastor John Ortberg, he says this, Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing that hurried people don't have. Building loving relationships with our neighbors is going to take time. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take difficult choices. But it's going to be worth it. And this week, I want to issue you the same challenge. To get to know one of your actual neighbors next door this week. To step across the divide, to learn someone's name who you might not have met before, or to go deeper in a relationship that you already have. But before you can do that, you might have to make some changes to your life. You might have to step back and really think about your priorities, your schedule. You might have to spend some time in prayer. Asking God to give you wisdom. The wisdom to choose between things that are good and things that are great. Let's pray for that. God, we are here because we love you. And we want to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, who has saved us. And God, we know that your son Jesus says that loving you is important and loving our neighbors is important. So God, we pray that you would help us to really live into that this week. We pray that it wouldn't just be something theoretical in our heads, but that it would move to our hearts. And we pray, God, that it would move from our hearts to changes in our lives. Because God, we know that there are many, many people in need right around us. And we're in need ourselves. So this week, give us the ability to step back. To focus on the things that are most important to you. 
give us wisdom to choose between what is good and what is great. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. to 
y'all want to have a seat for just a second, I want to invite up Tony and Gwen Martin, who are going to be joining the church this morning. And so we're excited. Y'all come on up here. We want to put you in the spotlight. Tony and Gwen were part of our New Connections class last week. And let me just say this, Gwen has been so excited to join this church from my very first day I got here. And I said, no, no, let's go to New Connections. Let's wait. Let's do it. But um, I'm so glad to welcome them in our life together. Um, Gwen here is from Jackson, so not too far down the road, home of my favorite barbecue restaurant, Fresh Air Barbecue, the best Brunswick yeah, stew in the world. Place. I know there's not, I, well, we're, we don't need to hear about the better place. And then Tony, it's his 75th birthday today, right? Let's give him a round of applause. And um, just some fun facts about them. Gwen loves to sew, and she's actually been sewing a lot of the Return to Bethlehem costumes. Um, that you're going to be seeing on characters. So she's already serving in that way. She's already actually serving at the Welcome Center each week, so you can see her there. Um, she has the spiritual gifts of service, hospitality, administration, and wisdom, and she's already living them out. And we look forward to seeing that even more in the days ahead. And then Tony, his favorite pastime, this is funny. A lot of y'all are going to appreciate this. Laying in the recliner. Can we get an amen? Can we get an amen for that? And um, Tony, his spiritual gifts, discernment, hospitality, service, and mercy. And um, I was asking him, I was like, hey, you know, what, what are the type of things you want to do through the church, in the church? And he said, you know what, if you need anything, even janitorial stuff, I'll be happy to clean. And I just loved that servant's heart in hearing that. And so we're, we're excited, and they have a fun life story. You should ask them about um, their engagement and everything. It's, it's pretty good. Um, her engagement ring was her graduation present from high school. People, man, I got married at 30. I was late in the game, so y'all are way ahead of me. Next month, 53 years. Wow. Um, and so we're excited that they're joining us. They're, they're transferring from another church. Um, so Tony and Gwen, I want to ask you these questions. First, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe in the Christian faith as contained in the Old and New Testaments? Do you promise to live and grow as a disciple of Jesus? And will you support Harvest Point with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? 
people, then we are glad to welcome to the Harvest Point family. Let's give them a round of applause. And I'm going to say I'm going to say a prayer to send us out, and I'm going to invite them to stand down here. I'd love for you to come and welcome them, um, and greet them, just thank them for being here and for sharing themselves with us and this church. So let's pray for them. God, we thank you for Tony and Gwen and for all of their many years, their many experiences for the 75th birthday, for the wedding anniversary coming up. God, for your faithfulness in years past, and we thank you for your faithfulness in the future. And God, we thank you for the ways that they're already serving and pray that you would open up new ways for them to use their gifts for your kingdom. God, through them, we pray that you would help us reach new people for Jesus Christ so that people can come to know your love. Help them feel your love today. And God, as we go from this place, send us out being people who have received your eternal love and send us out as people who are now sharing that love with the people who are right next door. God, be with us until we meet again. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to come forward and to greet Tony. I said I wouldn't do this, but today is my, me and my wife's anniversary. She's put up with me for 12 years, but really more than that, so thank you. Love you.